coming up on Unsound Advice. Actually, I uh, keep a knife under my bed for intruders. What are you doing with a knife? All you're doing is giving an intruder a knife. Not if I'm holding it. I also have a taser. That I like. Get rid I of the also, knife. I also have pepper spray. That I like. Get rid of it. What are we doing with this knife? Why not? Because here's why not. The chances of you sticking a knife into the meaty muscle flesh of a man who's breaking into your house in the middle of the night are zero. The chances of that knife being turned around and stuck into you are 100%. That's not true. I'll stab him in the balls and here's why. <laughs> Twice in the last month, I had to come pick her up from a guy's house, drunk, at 4.30 in the morning. Do I just assume he's not interested anymore? So I'm in my second marriage. My first one ended because my wife cheated on me, and my second wife is starting to act in a similar way. Hey, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi. Hey there. Um, I know you're a 12-step program person, so I was just wondering, how do you break up with a hairstylist? A bunch of my coworkers are really bad at their jobs. And I wanted to try, you know, bringing her back into my life. I'm just wondering if you had any guidance for me. Give me a strategy here. Where do I start? How do I even begin? And how do I stop eating cookies? Because I love cookies so much. Thanks a lot, Laura. You're the best. Welcome to Unsound Advice with Laura Bites. I'm Laura Bites. Thank you for joining us for our premiere episode. Yes. We're here. We finally got here. Meet my producer, J.P. Buck. <laughs> How's it going? Good to see you, Laura. It's good. I'm really happy to be here. We have Pete Holmes today. This is a this is a fun one. Amy, he's the reason. He's he's how we met. There we go. He's yeah. how we met. He connected us. He told J.P. that he should um, have me do a podcast where I give advice because I've given Pete a lot of advice, and he's given me a lot of advice, which he didn't share with you. Um, mm-hmm. I don't mean he didn't share the advice with you. I mean, he didn't share that information with you. I didn't mean like Pete gave me advice, which he didn't give you. No, no. Um, (laughs) No, that he he basically was saying it was a one-way street with you giving him advice is how he described it to me. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. That is, that incorrectly characterizes our relationship, but it seems like it was a really good way of him pitching me to you. He's very gracious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we met in Montreal and... Amidst a French festival... A lot uh, going on. A lot going on. And I didn't realize how sensitive you were to sound at the time. Yeah. And there's literally like a French pop group performing for like 10,000 people across the street as we're <laughs> trying to drink coffee and you were soldiering on in this conversation. So thank you. <laughs> a guy comes up and like starts juggling at the table. <laughs> just a mime, a mime creating a box around us. And I just was like, yeah, so I'm really excited about this. Yeah, I think I had earplugs in and I was like, primarily reading your lips because I get so distracted by the sounds. It's just I can hear everything at once. So Mm -hmm. I can hear like someone's change jingling, someone putting a cup on a plate, someone throwing something away. Like I just can hear all of it. Yeah. So yeah, making everything a little bit quieter helps even if it also quietens, quiets the voice of the person I'm talking to. Well, you you, you had me fooled. Uh, I had no idea until we actually zoomed like a few weeks later. Yeah, and I was a normal person. <laughs> no. You're like, wow, she talks way faster than she does when she's having to sift through garbage for every single word. <laughs> um, but enough about me. Today, we talk about how to bites it. That's an expression that Pete coined, mm-hmm. um, which I love. He's so good to me. Uh, we talk about Pete's therapist, Dr. Gary Penn, who has a new book out. He talks about that. Uh, we talk about Etiquette for being backstage at a comedy club. How should you behave in the green room? Should you be there? Let's discuss. Mo- we do. I can't tell you how happy I was to have this aired because uh, <laughs> this has been something that has always irritated me about people just walking backstage and thinking they own the room. Um, and to hear you two discuss your stories uh, of certain people. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Yeah. And they're coming. I mean, as you're saying this, I'm things are popping into my head. I'm like, People who are not comedians come in and confidently sit at my seat where my notebook is in front of them on the table. And I'm just like, you do the thing where you passive aggressively grab your drink from (laughs) in front of where the person's sitting. Not to be passive aggressive because you want the drink, right? But but also it is a little bit of a... Oh, excuse me. Let me just Mm -hmm. grab my things from around you. Yeah. I was sitting there. No, no. Don't get up. (laughs) Um, the calls were great. We gave cat advice, which is some of my favorite advice to give. I could talk about cats all day. Don't ask me to prove it. I will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talk about defending ourselves. 
which I don't even know how we got there from the cats. Yeah. Weapons in the bedroom, I think, is a really exciting way to put that bullet point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talk about how to take care of yourself as a comedian. What our daily road schedule is like mm-hmm. when we're on the road. Yeah. And you both had different advice for that. So I we was... did. We uh, we get into it over an accent wall, which I don't think anybody saw coming. Pete was great at kind of yeah, kind of poking at you to reveal something. And I think we really found something helpful for people. Yeah. Pete really drove that. Drove that conversation. Didn't mm-hmm. let me off the hook. No. We'll say that. Yeah. And I love that about him. Because, yeah, we do get to the root of stuff. Um, and then flying for job, which I, oh, right, flying for your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you have to travel for work. I was like, <laughs> that, that one didn't ring any bells. Yeah. At first, I'll be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, what to do if you have to travel for work, if that's not particularly your thing. Yeah, and uh, kind of how to how to handle it and uh, maybe do you stick with a job or do you quit? Right. Yeah, what's, what's more important? Are those your only two choices? Mm-hmm. Do you travel less? Do you travel smarter? Do you take a handful of pills? I don't even know if we talk about that, but it's a question to ask hey, yourself. Yeah. And that's what we do. It's just like on every episode. We, you cover a wide range of oh, yeah. topics. I think anyone can find something in every episode yeah. for their personal Cats, life. Cats, flight, self-defense, mm-hmm. you name it. Accent walls. Accent walls. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, we really covered it. New episodes of Unsound Advice will be available every Tuesday morning at unsoundadvicepod.com and wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. We want you to be a part of the show. If you'd like some unsound advice, send an email or a voice memo to lara at unsoundadvicepod.com. And don't worry, we won't use your name unless you really want us to for some reason. Let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Pete Holmes. My guest today is the hilarious comedian and host of the popular long-running podcast, You Made It Weird. <laughs> I don't know why. Stop laughing during the intro. Long-running sounds Excuse like a me, burn. Excuse me, please. Excuse me, please. <laughs> An exhausted Excuse podcast. Excuse me. Excuse me. He also co-created and starred in HBO's Crashing, which was loosely based on his life. Medium Pete running. Holmes. Yeah, thank me- you for joining me today. <laughs> For heaven's sake. Unbelievable. I blew it. Every part of it. I wanted to riff on the intro. Uh, (coughs) Everybody welcome. My next guest speaks as soon as something triggers a thought. Everybody please welcome Pete Holmes. I was quiet that whole time, except for the clapping. No, you weren't. You were clapping the entire time. (laughs) That's a real narcissist. I don't mean me. Unless, what are we here to learn? You mean me? No, I'm saying like a true narcissistic character would, when they're not talking, that that clap like just so they're always doing something. Oh, that's I about see. Them. Yeah, something that's about them, something that draws the attention back to them. Our listeners can't tell. For all they knew, it was me clapping over that's the right. sound of my own talking. And then who's the narcissist? You don't know. Well, my hands are clammy enough that they knew they weren't yours. There was a moisture. They don't know our the textures of our you individual seem hands. seem like a dry-handed lady. Do I? Yeah. I mean, that is comp. You know, moisturized. Yeah. Not like brittle. No, I wasn't hurt. But I'm, is one of my defining characteristics in junior high was oh, that I, that ruddy cheeks. Oh, because that awful bitch from college? Who? My, oh, my ex-wife? No. Was that your ex-wife? Who? No, that girl that we met at the show. <sighs> Do you remember? Of course I remember. I've been mad on yeah, your behalf yeah. ever since. It's one of your best features as a friend is you'll get <laughs> more mad than I would, which is great. I loved it. But you and I are very particular about friends that would come back after the show because we tour a lot together. And a friend that I went to college, well, friend, you know, someone I was friends with. Sure. I, <laughs> I guess. don't know why I circled she back for that. She attended college with you. Let's yeah. call it what it was. Yes. And she came backstage and she not only did not say anything about the show, which is rule number one. Mm-hmm. And I know this is not a flattering tone for us to, you know, some people are just finding out about me. First thing they'll know is that I hate when people come back in the green room and don't say anything about the show. Just say something. Yeah, say, just say, say something positive. What a show. Just that. Great job. Great job. How hard is it to say great job? Or just, you know what? I'm going to make it 50% easier. Great. Right. And then start eating my fucking baby carrots. Right. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) 
And but this woman didn't say shit about the show and then just started telling you about how clammy my hands were in oh college. Oh my god. And, and do you, you know like, what I did? I excused myself and yeah. asked the staff to find a tasteful way to remove her, her from the there. green room. That show business. It's like he doesn't want her in there and he's too nice and By he's not way, gonna tell her to leave. We see, need to handle this. This is why show business is a control freak's wet dream. It really is. <laughs> and when I was shooting HBO's Crashers, would be on the street and you'd hear something that would bother me and bother you in regular life. Yeah. Like loud talking champagne women. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Or a party or revving motorcycle engines. You'd, you'd have to. Yeah. It wasn't like I was being particular, which right. is how I feel in most of my life. You'd say, hey, I think that's going to be in the shot. Done. This is unacceptable. Mr. Holmes? Yeah. Mr. Holmes, no problem. You know what I mean? But yeah. it wasn't even, mis I didn't even have to say it. There was a whole other department whose job it was to control reality. Oh, it sounds incredible. There was a homeless person in the West Village that would just go, fuck, fuck. Pretty standard guy. Yeah. There's one in every town. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Once yeah. a population reaches right. 30,000, yeah. one of that 30 is going to be, fuck. Mm -hmm. That's the right. Classic guy. That's right. He'd walk by, give that guy 50 bucks. Yeah, in Milwaukee, Whisper it was quiet. Pierre. Yeah. Oh, we know Pierre. Yeah. A chilly man. I mean, even if you don't fuck. know him, you know him, you know? That's what I mean. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. So, and here we are. If there's a problem here, we shut it down. Well, obviously I had you on the podcast because you're incredibly important to me. We wouldn't be doing this podcast if it weren't for you. Pete connected me with J.P. Buck, who's um, right there. our producer who's right there. Looking at realdoll.com. And um, Pete took me on tour. <laughs> I was your feature act. Well, I don't um, know about that. What do you mean you don't know you about that? Were, I it's mean, the I get reality it. of what happened. It's we went all true, over the country together. You brought me. I don't, I don't know, man. I've toured with some feature acts, and then I've toured with Laura Bites. That's all I'm saying. Oh, well, that's very sweet. It, it, was, it wasn't like you were not the amuse-bouche. It was like another sandwich. Oh, that's so nice. And, <laughs> and you I'm were just always a sandwich. so nice yeah, to me. Yeah, well, it was, it was a delight, and you elevated my uh, game. That's for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had to follow somebody that killed. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I'm um, glad we did this. We've given each other a lot of advice. We have. And you are a person IRL that uh, I go to for advice. Yeah. And sometimes I lose my way and I'll I'll come to you. Sometimes it, maybe I won't call you with advice, but we'll have a hang. Yeah. And usually during that hang, you'll catch me losing my way. And what you're very good at is going like, fuck that shit. You deserve this, this, or this. Usually respect. You deserve, uh, your feelings are valid is yeah. a big one. Val does it very similar. She has a very similar skill set, but you're very no nonsense. And you go like, what you said was reasonable and your feelings are valid. So yeah. stop apologizing. And I go, thank you. And you just feel better after. Yeah. So that's what you do in my life. I think that what you do in my life is you like set my, my dial. And by that, I mean, you'll say like, I think you should bite it, which means yeah. be very blunt and straightforward. Ask yeah, for what it. you want. Don't apologize. And then sometimes you've also said to me, like, I wouldn't bite it I too much it. on this. Yeah. I as many times as I've told you to bite it, yeah. it I go, uh, don't bite it. There's a time to put it away. I just gently sh walked you away from what I saw as a ledge. Yeah. I was like, you're not Amy Schumer yet. Right. That was the advice that I remember. And in his defense, it. before he said that, I was screaming, I'm Amy Schumer. <laughs> it was, and there was a person next to you named I Pierre want a regulation fuck. size refrigerator full of coconut LaCroix. And if I don't get it, I walk. Oh, I sold 30 tickets. Figure it out. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> that is oh, there's hilarious. nobody I here. Want, and I... we're doing one show, and that's outrageous. And the store doesn't even sell that much. Not my problem. Where's my Sub-Zero filled Where's with my coconut sub -zero? Right, that's right. <laughs> well, by that I meant we can have our little secret, this little light of mine, this little belief, and I had it before any train had come in for old Holmesy, J.P. Buck having tons to do with that, uh, and I'm any chance I get, so grateful to J.P. Buck, got me my first big breaks, uh, and anyway, we can go on that later. He's on Real Doll, looking at blue-skinned avatar He's so sex He's just sex looking dolls. at his laptop like he yeah, I know. isn't listening and absorbing. It's, not, it's not even on. <laughs> JP knows. I'm, I'm not, I, love, I love him very dearly. But you have this um, inner light, and you, you rely on it, especially when you're eating shit for the first 10 years of comedy, so much taking so much shit, so much fear. 
you know, sandwiched with shit, like gigs that are shit and scary flying to cities alone and sad hotels and all that stuff. So you have to have that part of you that goes, I'm Kevin Hart. But there's also, you, you let him out very rarely. In fact, early in my career, my agents would have to tell me to dial it down. I'd go really? on general meetings and they'd get feedback afterwards and they're like, is this kid on cocaine? Oh, which no. I which I wasn't, but right, I, I, know. I just so believed in myself and I'd pitch them five shows and I'd say grandiose things, you know, like <laughs> accusing a bag of walnuts of being lazy. It's from Austin Powers. <laughs> but like, I really was like, I've seen the show, like the show works, like just like unbridled belief yeah. in myself. And my, my wonderful agent, Zach Drucker told me what I told you, which is like, there's just a time when you go like, this isn't the moment I'm going to, to use an airport analogy. I'm going to go through regular security, even though I have pre-check and they made a mistake today. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut Yeah, and I will take my shoes off and I'll take my laptop out of my bag. Yeah. Even though you're like, fuck, I'm Kevin Hart. Yeah. And that's most of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's really beautiful. Oh, well, we fly a lot, so I went I went right for an analogy you would like. Um, have I given you any advice in your life that you uh, that changed your life forever? Well, yeah, you gave me <laughs> you gave me the voice of of the bites, and you bites it, you bits, you bit, you bites it, you bites it. I bit it. You bit it. So I now just like a good therapist, and I really mean this. Like my therapist, Doctor Gary Penn, who I haven't seen in almost five six years or something. Because it worked. Those people that are like, yeah. you just go and you go, shut the fuck up, you fucking tool. Yeah. It's this attitude that you can't solve it. <laughs> this like mewling and moaning about your therapist, like this defeatist, by the way, I'm half kidding. Yeah. Is part of why you're like, and it never works. It's like, because this is broken. Right. <laughs> but I went in and calmly dealt with issues. And at a certain point, you know you're done when you go like, and I know what it'd say about that. And I know what it'd say about that. And he installs his voice in your consciousness. Yeah. And his voice, very similar to yours, it's a little bit different. <clears throat> Dr. Gary Penn's voice, I paid him lots of money to learn how to say, who cares? Mm -hmm. That was what he said all the time. And it's beautiful. Oh, I like that. You know that. what it is? It's mercy. It's self-mercy. Fuck self-love. Self-love is great. Can you give yourself self-mercy? Yeah. Who cares? Oh, I watched some weird porn clip. Who cares? Did you hurt anybody? Who cares? So what? That's great. It's like Joy Behar. Yeah. So what? I think incredible. that's worth paying someone to say. It was. But I had to, I had to bring them. The one I give all the time. Look, I grew up religious and sexually repressed. And I used to feel very guilty. I lived in an apartment building and I'd hear my neighbors having sex. And it, I would sometimes be like aroused by it. Yeah. And that was made me feel dirty. It made me feel like a perv and a skis and like just this dirty, weird guy in his yeah. studio being like, oh, shush. Totally. They're at it again. Like I was like, that's the definition of an 80s fucking scumbag creeper, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. And he would be like, it's very erotic. <laughs> that's what he said. You're so right to laugh. That's what comedy is. You go to comedy and you say, I'm so embarrassed that it turns me on when I hear my neighbors having sex. And comedy screams back in the voice of Dr. Gary Penn, whose voice, whose book is available now. He goes, it's very erotic. <laughs> Who cares? And you go, right. Yeah. I didn't build this thing. Right. You hear sex and it turns you on. You realize that's why women have loud orgasms. It's like to stimulate the whole community, get everybody fucking. <laughs> it's very erotic. Yeah. I don't know. I read Sex at Dawn once on a plane and I, I don't think I got it. That's so funny. Well, do you want to take a, a call? Sure. I'm going to yell it's very erotic to one of these calls. <laughs> I recently got a new cat. He's very playful. He loves to jump around. He's super active. And my old cat is very jealous. How do I fix things in my house? Is this cat you? <laughs> One of those people. Let me ask you something. Are all the cats in this question you? Because <laughs> I wish they were. Because what am I, fucking the crocodile hunter? <laughs> I don't know how to fix your goddamn kit, kitten problems. You think there's someone on earth that knows how to get cats to get along? Cats. 
Ancient Egypt worshipped these cold ass motherfuckers because they'll watch a toddler die with no emotion. You think I can come in there and get one to forgive another one? These cats are going to fucking hate each other till the day they die nine times. No. Yes, it's over. My advice to you is give up or toss one out the window. First of all, I do wish that you'd ask for my advice before you got a kitten because... What a nightmare. Kittens and puppies, they're great to look at. They're great visitors. Sure. I wouldn't move there, you know? I get it. Great place to visit. Terrible place Salt to live. Salt Lake City. They're They'll Salt Lake ruin <laughs> your entire life. They will destroy everything you have worked for. That's right. Now, that having been said, I happen to have read about this. <sighs> Steve Irwin wrote about this before he passed? That's right. Um, I have two cats. Yes. And Queen Princess was under my bed for the first two months that I had these cats. She was so scared to come out. Yes. And I contacted the shelter and they were like, just give her time. She'll come out. She'll be worth the wait. Don't worry. Because um, she was like sneaking out. You know, she was using the litter box. She was eating. She of was course. fine. Yeah, cats are great. But she just was terrified. And when she finally came out and let me pet her, my other cat, <laughs> I call, I started calling him um, Officer Officer Snuggles because he... Would show up, you know, he, uh, I'd say like Officer Snuggles is reporting for duty because he would show up and break us up. Like he could sense it from the other end of the apartment and he would come in. Yes. And I, I mean. So what did you do? An elaborate situation where Snuggles saved Princess's life? I looked it up and now he's not jealous, but basically it's just give the jealous cat a ton of attention. Hmm. Just give them more attention and I'll even raise the stakes on you or else they will piss all over your house and they will say. ruin your goddamn yeah. life. It's going to be and an then you'll have, you know, cause you got a kitten too. You'll have two cats pissing all over your stuff. Yeah. Cause once they pee on something, it's they on. never forget it. It's a high and they chase it for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And you're going to be living in hell. Yeah. Um. So give the other cat just a ton, a ton of attention. Or just celebrate them for what they are, which is cold-ass motherfuckers who hate each other. You know what I mean? I mean, it's kind of hard to celebrate a cat if it's pissing on your stuff, though. Yeah, that's fair. But you knew what you were getting into. This is real-life shit right here. You could have gotten a dog. And I don't like dogs. I have a dog. A puppy? Fucking ding-dong. I would sooner give birth to a puppy than I would yeah. bring one into my home. Look, I'm just making a case. Maybe your cats aren't going to like each other, and that's okay, because they're fucking cats, and that's the deal. They're particular, they're difficult, you earn that purr. That's what it is. You want a fucking ding-dong to like everybody and follow you around? Get a dog, dumbass. Oh, my cats are so sweet. But they yeah, sure, do you lucked out. Just you got luck of the draw. Me. Yeah, luck of the they draw. worship me, but they don't really want to be around anyone every else. Once they're in just a while, scared. Cat takes out a switchblade. <laughs> no, actually, I uh, keep a knife under my bed for intruders, and it's got, uh, you know, a little thing, a sheath, if you will. Yeah. Um, and they, Is it a curved blade? No. And they push it out from under the bed because that's like their safe place. So I put it under the bed and then <laughs> it's out from under the bed. Can I? I just gave another female friend shit for this. What are you doing with a knife? All you're doing is giving an intruder a knife. Not if I'm holding it. I also have a taser. That I like. Get rid I of the also, knife. I also have pepper spray. That I like. Get rid of, what are we doing with this knife? Why not? Because here's why not. The chances of you sticking a knife into the meaty muscle flesh of a man who's breaking into your house in the middle of the night are zero. The chances of that knife being turned around and stuck into you are 100%. That's not true. I'll stab him in the balls and here's why. Because I have a plan. If someone comes into my apartment, I grab my weapons, I roll off the bed so I'm hiding on the other side of the bed. I like this. So they have to get to the other side of the bed and then I'm ready with my weapons. Taze them in the balls, stab them in the balls, pepper spray them in the eyes. Why the knife? Because if you get tased or pepper sprayed, you're fine, but that knife is just going to upset them. I didn't <laughs> have the taser when I made the choice to have the knife under the bed. Yeah. And then I just kind of never put it back in the kitchen. Because it grew on you. I mean, it's not bad to have a knife in a room because I'll, I, I disagree. I'll toss you a bee scenario. I'll There's an earthquake. A okay. bunch of stuff falls. Yeah. I have to cut a wooden beam to escape from the rubble. Can I, can I just say that I love the effort here? Or what if I have to yeah. do like they did in Game of Thrones? What if my cats are injured in an earthquake and, and I have to, cut to off one of their legs? slit their throats? Oh, a mercy kill. 
to end their lives. Yeah, you I, can't, I mean, you I'm can't not painting them. a pretty picture right now. Well, None fine. of this is stuff that I want to have happen. But I mean, or like, what if a boulder rolls over and yeah. your arm gets stuck between the boulder and a wall and you've got to cut your arm off? Cut it you off. Have to, you have to James Franco. I'll be glad I have that tiny paring knife. Can I further critique just because I care about you? Sure. There's a lot of, you can get a taser that's a projectile that you want. Any of these things where you have to be up close and personal, that's why I like your pepper spray. That's kind of the only one I like. But you're really going to be you're going to be coughing and snotting too. I'd rather see you uh, go onto Amazon.com and they'll they'll ship it to you. You get a taser that that shoots fifteen feet, thirty feet, or you buy something like a Burna BYRNA. I do not get money for saying that. It's a projectile gun. It's a CO two gun. Take a motherfucker out. Shoot him in the face. Here's why. You won't hesitate. What does it do? It just shoots these little pellets. We uh, The reason you want one... I mean, what one, does it do to the person, not what does the gun do? Does it really kill the guy? It really hurts. Or? It okay. doesn't kill them. Because here's what I'm bringing to this situation. You... I Maybe you will. I don't know. You're sort of scaring me with your balls thing. But I'm not stabbing anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I need a weapon that I have absolutely no hesitation to use. Right. And I don't know if I could shoot someone in the face. Well, for fuck's sake, of course not. That's why guns, you're giving your attacker a gun or your attacker already has a gun. And guess what? He's juiced through the roof and ready to shoot you. Well, but You're that's just why... waking up. You're dreaming of Colonel Sanders on a hot air balloon. And now you're going to be fumbling for a revolver. You're just giving him another gun and a reason to shoot you. You need something that you're like, I don't even care if this ends up being my Aunt but Wendy he... coming in to surprise me for my birthday because she's not going to die. Bang, 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 bang. Isn't... Wendy hits the ground. Isn't that a great argument against your BB gun? What's that? That what if they have a real gun? What if I shoot them with a BB gun and it hurts them and then they shoot me with a real gun because they think they've been shot? I agree. But your knife is going to get you filled with lead either way. So at least I'm going to annoy this guy before I'm murdered. And also my BB gun, you know, I'd leave. I have a gun. Someone starts raining hellfire down on you, me. You'd stick around if someone tased you in the nuts? How are you going to get close enough to tase because this guy? Because he came to the other side of the bed. Yeah, right. I'm down there. His nuts are like right there. Yeah. No, you're standing there crackling it. And he's like, yeah, bang, like Indiana Jones. Like the guy with the sword in Indiana Jones. <laughs> bang. All you're doing is giving him a, a, a signal flare. Shoot over here. You need something distance you're not going towards some crazed lunatic <laughs> so give the adult cat a lot of attention are we ready to do another do you hate this conversation yes of course it's all my worst nightmares being played out but i'm trying to help <laughs> hey laura so as a comic who's working a job you know beating the pavement going and doing shows and traveling, I have a hard time staying on a schedule, you know, eating healthy, getting to the gym, and just, you know, downright treating myself downright. better than I could be. All the so long I was day. wondering if you had any advice for a young, struggling comic like myself. What a great question. Thanks for your vulnerability. We've all felt that way. I still feel that way. Really? Sure. I don't want to take first swing, but... Take it. I would share. Yeah. I'll share. That's that's the ask. You know, I remember Tommy Johnigan did my podcast, and he was like, you have to lean into the simplicity of the road. This is when you're on the road. And I've started doing this. When you're on the road, you don't have to eat. I'm not. I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying for me. You sleep in... It's like 11 a.m. Shows at 7 or 8. It's 11 a.m. You can probably go to 2 o'clock. What Tommy said, he was like, have a fruit cup. Get to the club. So what I'm saying is there's this, the overwhelm of schedule to me is resolved by being on the road. I get um, gear shift paralysis. I don't like days where I have to do lots of different things. I like one thing, and that's a huge, it's a stoic thing to do one thing and do it well. When you're doing the road, that's what you do. All I have to fucking do is get to the show at eight o'clock and be in a good mood, be in like a playful, fun, silly mood. What does that mean? 
for me, I figured out I have to go to the gym. I have to, it, all I do at the gym is I walk uphill on a treadmill for 30 minutes. That's all I do, but that's, I'm not doing it to be ripped. I'm doing it as an antidepressant because this is, this is sound advice. I'm going to change the name of this to sound advice. <laughs> 30 minutes of heart elevation is the same as taking Prozac, which is insane because Prozac is a very strong drug. So you're taking an SSRI by walking for 30 minutes. So I do that. I eat dinner. I go to the show. Oftentimes that's the only meal I'll have because it's so simple. Most of it is sleeping, lounging around, self-care, fucking baths are taken, naps, unnecessary naps. I'm watching fucking <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Then I exercise, then I eat, then I do the show. And then this isn't what he asked, but afterwards I tell myself that the real, the biggest win you can do is not eating again after the show because I'm a huge once I get stage cocaine in my blood, I'm like, old Holmesy des deserves every dessert. Yeah. And I go, no, because if I do that, it's almost like the terrorists won. Like right. If I talk to my mom and she, like yesterday, she just makes me angry. I go, fuck that. I'm not going to also eat a pint of ice cream because that means she won. You have to right. get this real, no, fuck that. So yeah. there's like an aggressive way of doing it. Anyway, that being said, I think it's helpful to have two modes. You have your day mode regular non-traveling comedian mode, that's one routine, then let the road be a different routine. Like it doesn't have to be the same exact routine. But I think if you can marry that to what helps you perform the best, like it's really easy to get in the gym before a show because it makes the show 75% better. Yeah. At home, it's much harder <laughs> to exercise because I'm like, I don't really need to not be depressed. It's I can be a little bit depressed at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. this works a little depressed. <laughs> Or a little blue or whatever it might be. So that that's my first swing. Yeah. Two different routines. And the road routine is very simple, very lean. One thing, do the show. Two things, go to the gym. Three things, probably don't have to eat the entire day. <laughs> that's so funny because I was going to give the exact opposite advice in the same spirit, which is yeah. being kind to yourself and keeping it simple. But I am a very routine-oriented person, and I look forward to all of the individual parts of my routine. Wow. So I'm usually waking up at about the same time as On I would, road. 8 in the morning. Yeah. Wow. And eating breakfast, meditating, doing my reading and writing, getting some physical exercise. I walk to... Um, I walk to the mall by my house pretty much every day mm. unless I have something. And, um, and I do that when I'm on the road, I look up like what's the closest place to walk. And so I'll walk for about 40 minutes yeah. to a place and back. Um, and so my day kind of just fills itself in naturally with the things that make me feel good. And it does the same thing on the road. Mm. Um, and the only like scheduled difference is I try to get in a nap, um, from like three to four ish. Yeah. Late afternoon. Nap. Yeah. So that I'm my best yep. so that I'm not tired during the shows. Yep. Um, and I might have a cup of coffee around then also, which I would never dream of doing at home. Same Z's. Yeah. It's interesting. I think only because you'll enjoy this. I really bite set on the road and Val knows this. And if Val were here, I'm not, I'm not talking shit. She just knows. It's like, I don't want to meet your, your San Francisco friends oh, for dinner. Of course not. And I don't want to go on a day trip and, and it's not uncaring and it's not unkind, but you know, it took a lot of work to, for me to get to a place where I was like, and luckily I have the excuse of the show, but really we should be doing this for ourselves emotionally yeah. and physically all the time. But having a tour schedule, I, <clears throat> I just get to go like, I'm doing something that is very difficult. And that means if the show's at eight, I want to be there at seven which means I want to eat at six, mm -hmm. which means I want to work out at five. Mm -hmm. And you should have that when you need it in all aspects of life. I learned it because stand-up demanded it, but then you get into a place where in healthy relationships, healthy friendships, sometimes you just go like, I have to cancel this because I don't have a show, but I have an internal need <laughs> that yeah. needs more of my energy and needs me at my best. Yeah. And stand-up taught me needing to be in a certain state at eight o'clock to do my job, help me learn when I'm not in that state just to live my life, to go 
the most loving thing you can do is sometimes just be like, no, like I can't, I can't. And Val completely understands that. And all my friends that live in cities that I tour to know, I don't want to meet before the show. I'll see you for 10 minutes after the show yeah. because I'm not here. Right. I'm not here for leisure. I'm, you know, you'll enjoy this. You've probably heard me say it. I'm like, I'm an assassin. I have a briefcase with a sniper rifle in it. So I'm not going to the hotel pool with you. Right, right. Because I have black leather gloves and I'm going in a bell tower because I'm here to kill the senator. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a little more aggressive than I would say, but <laughs> the language that I like the to use... The senator is the audience. <laughs> the bullets are the bits. Bullet bits! The briefcase is my notebook. Yeah. You get it. I understand. I understand. Just for the one person watching, listening, that was like, I think Pete's going to kill a senator. <laughs> Keep going. The language that I like to use with people is, I'm getting ready for work. I yeah. have to work tonight. I can't. I have to work. I have to get ready for work. Because people respect and understand that. And people don't really have yeah. a framework for like what a show requires of a person and what it is. And it's a huge, I mean, your body goes into fight or flight, which most people's, I mean, does, don't yeah. throughout the day or, you know, going to work unless they have a presentation or something, you know, right. there That's are obviously right. exceptions. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're in danger, but it's a lot, it's a lot on our nervous system. It's a lot on our bodies. Um, and it just requires for me a tremendous amount of met of mental focus. I also have to prepare. I have to write my set. I have to work on yeah. my jokes. Yeah. I have to think about it. I have to walk around and talk to myself. Yeah. Like and I'm there's, busy. There's so many things that you can't control too. You can do all of these things. Like we did that show recently at a club that I won't mention, but like, like as soon as I got there, I just started getting like these, like to me, like psychic, I don't want to say attacks, but just little things. That was an outrageous experience. And it the way was. that you left that club was so funny Tell to me, me what do you mean? that I almost called you. Tell me. At the end, when all of the people walked into the room, yeah. it killed the vibe harder than any vibe has ever been killed. Like just what do you mean? put the vibe out like a We're cigarette. We're in the green room afterwards. We're in the green room. And a bunch of people come in. Five people walk in. Yeah. It was you and me and the Sklars. And I said. Decompressing. And I five said to them, I go, in. what is this? Do you remember that? I go, what, what is this? You said that. And then you stood up and said, well, I'm going to take off. And you walked out. Yeah. You were gone yeah. so fast. Yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah. And I totally. That was a bit. Yeah. I bet it. Yeah. Because, you know. Because get the hell out. It's enough. It's enough. That was enough of that. Yeah. But that that place was, this has happened to a lot of places where you're working somewhere and they don't recognize you. That I'm almost used to that. That's that's normal. But I will say what I can't normalize is you're like, you're coming in here to feel like you own the place. So anything like a hello, hello, oh, we were expecting you. We're so sensitive. I'll just speak for myself. I'm so sensitive. Yeah. So people making a big deal of like, oh, I didn't even know who you were. Like, I don't know who you were. And then she goes, all these people are here to see you. Are you nervous? And I was like, you know, I understand life is hard and you don't know what to say to me. And I don't know what to say to you. But that did just make me nervous. Yeah. I've never been to this club and yeah. yeah, you just pointed to a group of people and they heard you say, are you nervous? Yeah, I've been doing this 20 years and that still kind of freaks me the fuck out, actually. <laughs> yeah, what got me from the jump, and I mean, there were so many, like, yes to everything you're saying. Yeah. Um, was when I was in the parking lot freezing and had to wait for a second person to come and check my ID to verify my identity because they didn't have a list. And it's like, I don't expect yeah. everyone to Look, recognize I me. I can't stress it enough. I don't expect it either. TV. I, don't need I, don't either. I don't need to be the most famous person in the world, but you don't need to rub salt in the wound I agree. by being like, I have so never heard your name before. And it never stops, Laura. I remember I opened for opened. I was one of the comedians on the bill for Dave Chappelle. And I got to Radio City Music Hall, which is 7,000 people. And the staff there was like incredibly dismissive. 
Somebody afterwards made fun of me. They're like, yeah, they work at the fucking back room of Radio City. They're not like happy to be there, Pete. Like right. they gave me shit. They were like, what do you expect? Like, a, hello. And I'm like, no. But they took my phone. They like, you know how Chappelle doesn't allow phones? And I know, by the way, this is what we do when we're just talking. I hope it doesn't sound obnoxious. But it, it was bothersome that I was performing on the show and they still seized my phone. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, so I, I played ball. I wasn't going to be like, what? Yeah. So I put it in the bag and they zip it up. Then I get into the green room. I was filming Crashing at the time and I hadn't been doing a lot of stand-up. In fact, you'll believe this because you know me, I ran into Chappelle and he was like, hey, man, <laughs> hey, man, got to do my show. He doesn't talk like that anymore. That's how he talked in the nineties when he was real thin, but he was like, you gotta, you gotta do my radio city show. And my heart sunk. Cause of course you have to, but I was like, I'm not doing sets. So like, it, it was like almost bad. Terrifying. News. I know yeah. that sounds insane, but I was like, this is the 7,000 people there to see the greatest, one of the greatest comedians of all time. And I'm going to, Go up and what? Do yeah. seven minutes? <laughs> a minute per thousand people there. Yeah. And then I get there and nobody gives a fuck. That's fine. They take my phone. I get in my green room. One of the reasons I said yes to the gig, because I, I imagine me and Chappelle and, you know, there's Lauren Hill. She's on the show. All in this big green room with like smoked salmon and a lava lamp and everybody's having fun. No, you get your own fucking uh, Rockettes dressing room. You're in one of the... <laughs> Rockets rooms alone. It's as long as the bar in The Shining and twice as scary, and it's alone. I go in with my fucking bagged up goddamn cell phone, scared, Aww. just scared. And I go, well, at least this is so funny to me. I go, at least there's a fridge. Aww. And I open it, Laura. This fridge is dead, man. No. This fridge not only has nothing in it, it's off there's and no has that smell. Oh my there's no goodness. water. Then I realize. You know, I haven't done a set in a while, but I warmed up. I'm not an idiot. I did a few spots around of course, town. right. And I recorded it to get it just right. Oh, I'll listen. You know it'll calm my nerves? I'll listen to the set. No. No, you won't, dipshit. It's on your fucking phone that's oh, in an no. unopenable Ziploc. Oh, no. Looking back, I wish I had samurai, samurai sorted the fuck out of that thing and just ripped it open. Yeah. Because fuck, Rage Against the Machine, fuck you, I won't do it, you tell me. That's what I should have done. But I'm such a fragile Jenga game. You get me just right. Old Petey will swing on a vine onto a battle pirate ship and seize the day. Yeah. But if you get it just wrong, I'll sit there alone in that dressing room and just wait for someone to come and tap me. The show was fine, but like it was a, it was a emotional <laughs> loss. Humbling. For me. It was humbling. Yeah. yeah. And those never stop. So yeah. it, it's, it's not like, uh, it, we should be used to it by now. Yeah. Um, should we take another call? Yeah. Hey, Laura. I have an interior design question for you. My apartment is pretty bare and boring, so I'm thinking about maybe doing an accent wall, even wallpaper. Is that coming back into fashion? Should I put it up? Um, I don't know. Wallpaper, paint, an accent wall? What do you think? Let me know. Pete, I'm jumping in. I'm taking first swing. You, yeah. Um, a wallpapered accent wall seems to be a thing that people are doing. I've seen success with that. And I'll tell you how I know, because I follow the home decorating subreddit and those people, you can post a picture of a room and they'll give you all kinds of ideas that I never would have thought of For if phrases. I lived to be a thousand years old. Um, do I find it annoying? Yeah, I do. Because people just seem to have no perspective. They're like, this backsplash is the absolute bane of my existence and i'm like have you seen the earthquakes that just happened in turkey and syria who gives a shit that your black your backsplash is olive green you self-centered bitch so it's not a place i personally spend a ton of time and that's also not what i'm trying to say to you you know you got a white apartment you gotta you tack something up on the wall say that to i them. i didn't mean it in that way and we can cut it out you know we can cut Don't that part out dear cut it out uh but i mean it and <laughs> i just mean when people are you know this is a this is a question where it's like hey i'd like to do something nice with my space that's fine yeah but there's no drama to this question this person's not like oh i agree I... <laughs> if this person asked you this question at a party i'd be like i think they like you like that's clearly yeah 
Like somebody's just like, I need an excuse to talk to Laura. Oh, hi, Laura. Uh, wallpaper? I, like my walls. Because if someone said that I to have. me and I'm happily married, I'd just be like, you need to go away. I'm married. Go yeah. away. <laughs> like this isn't working. It's not yeah. a good meet cute. Right. <laughs> right. But I also take it uh, only for fun issue with uh, what you're saying. Because I see people on uh, Instagram or whatever being like, oh, there are people that don't have clean water or there are all these uh, horrible things. It's a horrible place. There's yeah. so many things that are horrible. Why are you upset about this? I know. I take issue with what I'm saying too. And I don't no, honestly believe that. I know. But... I know. Because I know you. But I, I think you do need to green light. I don't think you're ever upset for the reason you think you are. And that wall, that white wall, isn't a white wall to you. It's the manifestation of an interior problem. And fixing it can help get the works moving in your emotional life, in your spiritual life. You're working with what you're working with. But that wall might be your unloving mother, might be your withholding father. It might be your inability to stick to something or commit to something or make something work. It's your attempt at controlling the reality that you're talking about that involves home intruders and earthquakes and all this stuff and clean water not being available. So your shit is your shit. And that's a huge, huge piece of advice I give everybody, which is like, don't believe the hype that people are like, how can you be worried about that? Don't you know what's happening here, here, or here? It's like, sure, but like your shit is your shit and it's okay. You don't have to apologize because you're dealing with a tip of an iceberg. Why does it matter so much? Like Val likes cleaning the house more than me. It's not about a clean house. It's about order in a universe. It's about, you. I'm not saying for Val, it's about a fear of death. It's about a fear of chaos. It's a fear of the unknown. I want to control this space. When I do this podcast, I move this cup. I just make it my own. If that relieves my anxiety, that's okay. We can't say, oh, Pete's worried about where his cup is or, or, or how comfortable the chair is. How could he be thinking about that? Dude, we're all in a fucking weird-ass situation, and we're all in a lot of different setups, and you, you, it's okay to admit what's bothering you. I had a phone call with my mom yesterday, really bugged me, and if I called a friend and they were like, have you seen the earthquakes? I know you wouldn't, but I'd be like, what do we do? Like, I'm just talking about what came into my car's speakers. Yeah. <laughs> like That was very immediate, and when it bothers me, it's actually... It's greater than the sum of its parts, the the issue that it brings up. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Where'd you go? Um, I went a few different places. I think that part of my resentment comes from the fact that, like, I would love nothing more than to be able to own a house and manipulate a backsplash. You can't paint in an apartment? You can paint in an apartment. I don't even have a backsplash. It's not even a I don't even right. know what a backsplash is. What's a backsplash? It's the tiles that go like behind your stove or behind okay. your sink. Yeah, I hear you. But you can paint. Um, and also, I think that I'm talking to this person the way that I'm talking to myself right now because I'm going through some personal stuff. And I think yeah. being kind of hard on myself, you know, I'm going through a breakup right now. And... Um, and that's like something that keeps coming up during my meditation is that I'm just like, but I'm not in, I'm not trapped under rubble for 17 hours, you know, right, just right. what a horrible nightmare that would be. And so then I feel, I feel guilty for having my feelings. Yeah, no, I, uh, if, if I may bites it for you, come on, man. You know what I mean? It's not helpful to go, you know, we could go thousands of years in the past and you're like, my husband left me and be like, well, Genghis Khan just spooned this guy's heart out or the whole town watched. Like, all right, Dale. There's a guy <laughs> named Dale in Mongolia. All right, Dale. I'm just like owning your shit. Like, so when you're hearing this guy domesticating, this is what I mean. Nothing even now means I feel ashamed that I said means. that because that's not my like philosophy like i agree with you and that's what i would expect myself to yeah, say to someone who do. just we said what i, I told just you. said we yeah. just remind each other it doesn't mean you forgot you're in a trauma right now you've you've been hurt right now so especially somebody talking about what i forgive me if i'm wrong or tell me if i'm wrong uh and there's a good chance i'm wrong we this guy goes should i have an accent while in my apartment 
And the hurt part of you goes, how can, there's a jealousy that that's your problem. I just had my heart broken. You know what I mean? When my wife left me when I was 28, people would be like, I don't know, should I get, this company has glass bottles of water and they have plastic, but it's cheaper, but they're lighter. And you're like, and why don't a, you go fuck yourself? Yeah, exactly. And you're like, yeah, yeah could you light yourself on fire that and we'll continue this conversation? truly <laughs> was not about that guy. It was about the people on Reddit. And I, I honestly think that if you looked at the subreddit, you might understand a little bit of what I'm talking about. Sure, I'm sure. I think, yeah, there's a jealousy, though, for me, when I'm going through something, it's like, you know, if if you're dealing with a, a, an illness or something, if you have a, some, you're sick, and you just see people, it's like it's a death deathbed cliche. Yeah, that you're like, why are you fighting with your cousin? Yeah, I mean, like, don't I'm, you see that this is fleeting and precious? <laughs> you know, I'm greed. I'm uh, grieving, and I definitely have noticed that internally, not verbally, but internally, I'm having a harder time right now holding space for stuff that my friends are going through. Of course. Um, but then I feel like enough time has passed, like almost a month has passed. So I feel like my time is up, you know, like I can't be the focus of every conversation forever, obviously. And so when stuff comes up for them, especially since they've been there for me and like, well, I need to listen and I need to support and stuff when really I'm just like, I am still so sad. Right. And that's what therapy is. Therapy is paying someone who makes a promise not to stop being your friend. Yeah. And I even do. if you want to talk about this, I know you do, but yeah. talk about the same thing over and over because friends do have a limit. Yeah. It seems. Um, yeah. My, when my first wife left me, I remember my therapist was like, it's like you have a, a, a bite of a shark. Like your torso has a huge negative space that's the shape of a shark bite. And people are just like, you know, I, I want to work in the valley, but it'd be a lot closer. And you're just like, I have been bitten by a shark. Right. <laughs> and that's okay. Right. I don't, but you know, this is something I deal with because what I would do is hole up. That's That's why alcohol and all these things were difficult for me because they seemed like these reliable friends. Of course, they're not. It's a fucking fiction. And a lie. But you know, you can find those people, usually other people that it's happened to. What do you mean you would hole up? I, I'm embarrassed by grief. Mm -hmm. So when my wife left me the first time, that's like clearly the biggest trauma that happened, you know, at that time. I went on the road and I was like, this is perfect. I remember thinking that. I was like, this is perfect. Nobody's gonna see me yeah. being sad. And I got in this really weird habit of like, I'd do a show. After the show, I would go to the Walmart because it was all, you know, that part of the road. And I'd get a bottle of wine and a pack of American spirits. Sometimes I'd see people from the show. So I started getting it before the show. <laughs> but I do the sad. I was so sad. And I just didn't know and didn't, I wasn't resourced to find the people that you could, therapy, first of all, but also friends. I There are friends that will listen to your shit probably more times than you think. You might be cutting them off a little soon. Well, and I don't have that much to say about it. It's just yeah, feeling it, you yeah. know, the feeling it isn't over. And I remember I went to my doctor for unrelated things. And he was like, my wife had just left me. We were together for seven years. And he, I, he was like, how long has it been? And it was like, it's been four months. And he was like, well, give it another two months. And if you're not feeling better, we'll talk about putting you on something. And I was like, you're giving me six months? Like this, this culture doesn't know what to do with grief, doesn't know what to do with death, doesn't know what to do with loss. Even a lot of organized religion just doesn't know what to do. And I sympathize. Most of us don't know what to do a divorce, a loss, a death, all these different things. But I did think it was funny that the one place that does seem to have an answer are just the people that are like, I'll, I'll give you a drug. And I'm like, you know, maybe Japan is onto things with those like rooms where you go in and just smash everything. Have you heard about these? Yeah. Primal scream therapy is incredible. You don't need to <laughs> hire someone to do it. But if you can find somewhere like your car where you can yell, it's fucking fantastic. I know yeah. it's like a TV show cliche, or singing, Vegas nerve stuff, yeah. activating that. Um, and the idea of 
like putting a time limit on it, six it's months absurd. or whatever. In in my mind, I was, I drew a hard line at like, I'm going to give myself a minimum of 30 days before I consider downloading a dating app or dating a person. And now yeah. we're almost there and I'm realizing I am not ready. I'm not done yeah. grieving. And I want to bring my best self to a new relationship i wouldn't want to date a guy who cried about his ex yesterday yeah like i don't want to bring that <laughs> to the table i frankly don't want to be with someone who would be attracted to that energy yeah you know um and so but i the progress that i can see in myself is that this time i'm in acceptance of that even though that's not where i want to be i want to be over it by now yeah um but instead I am giving myself at least another month and then I'll yeah. check back in with myself and we'll see how I am. I mean, your bites in it, real, real time bites in it. But I mean, like if uh, the only thing I would encourage is it's like, there's no set time. Also no, kind of has to be in months. <laughs> oh no, I, I wasn't correcting that's you. The only <laughs> I was saying you I'm can kidding, have, but uh, also yeah. kind of not, I don't know why that's comforting to me. I think it's comforting because it gives me like a, a pillow of space. Yeah. It's nice to know, like, I don't have to actually think about this again, and I don't have to make a decision about it. I don't have to come back to this choice yeah. for 30 more days. That's great. So I can focus on doing whatever makes me happy yep. and just keep the focus on myself. And you're right. You don't want to hand that over to the next person. And But I mean, like, some people seem to think they have formulas for how long is appropriate to, like, right. be out of commission or be sad. And I'm trying to say, like be sad, like yeah. just ride it out. You know, I, I don't mean grind your teeth. And if you're really suffering, I mean, you might need, uh, help. You might need community, all these different things. But like, if you're feeling it and it's manageable, it, it's okay to green light. And somebody said this to me, I forget. They were like, being sad is a little bit like being snowed in and you kind you kind of know what to do. You mm. know what I mean? It's not pleasant, but you're snowed in Yeah, and you can say yes to it. Yeah. In fact, that is, <clears throat> that's the thing I, I use the most, which is yes, thank you, which is the mantra I try to use for things that I hate. Like sometimes when I wake up in the morning and I have to get, go to a flight, I'll try to remember to, the first words out of my mouth are yes, thank you. Before I've even gotten out of bed, my alarm goes off and you say, yes, thank you. Just sets the stage. Your nervous system just doesn't know what to do with acceptance it, it's completely, it wants you to resist it and say like, I wish I was over this by now. I wish I didn't feel this way. But if you go like, yes, thank you. And sort of like a Sylvia Plath sort of way, like this is a romantic time in your life. You are sad, Lara. You're snowed in. You're bummed out. You're worried. You're exhausting your friend's resources. There will be a time you'll look back on this and be like, yeah, but you knew, you knew how to do it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not complicated. <laughs> yeah, it is helpful to look at all of the other times when I thought I was going to like die of the pain of losing someone. Yeah. And now I'm fun. Like now I wouldn't even date yeah. any of those guys. That's right. It's all impermanent. It's all just flowing. Well, should we do another call? Sure. I hope it's not about an accent. Well, I have no advice for that person. <laughs> <laughs> My advice for you is... I forgot you didn't even say anything. No, no. <laughs> wallpaper? But you told him you, it was you, okay to care. You're not allowed to talk to me about wallpaper. <laughs> That's a boundary I have. Hi, Laura. I've got something I'm embarrassed to even ask, but I've started a new job and they want me to travel more. And the problem is I hate airplanes. I don't like flying and I try to avoid it at all costs. How do I avoid this? Do I talk to my boss or do I suck it up and deal with it? And if so, how do you recommend I get on an airplane? Respect. What do you think, Pete? Well, there's a couple ways to cut up this turkey, I'll tell you that. <laughs> One is, like, you know, exposure therapy. We're going to get through this. It's time to, It's time to overcome this. That really depends on how extreme your phobia is. Because there are things. I have to fly constantly, so there are things I tell myself. There are things that pilots have told me. Turbulence doesn't bring down a plane is something I tell myself all the time. It might be frightening. It might be unpleasant, but it doesn't bring down a plane. 
the the physics of air, airplane travel turns the air into gel, basically. It's like flying through jello. It's like driving on a bumpy road. That's what turbulence is. And it's the, getting into the physics, getting into kind of understanding it, the likelihood, you know, the probability, all that stuff. Sure. There's also a part of me that wants to be like, you hate traveling. Why are you going to do it for your job? That sounds like a fucking horrible idea, you know? Yeah. So I don't, it really depends on how, how hurt you are for this job, how much you like this job. Yeah. Yeah. There's more information that I would want too. I'm like, how much more money are we talking? But even then. It's pretty rough to be like, I'm going to white knuckle it. Right. If you hate it. Um, And my, my, I'll just share my personal experience and whatever about that is helpful to this listener is helpful and whatever is not is not. You killed a senator. Um, <laughs> my anxiety around travel, it has nothing to do with the potential for the plane to crash. I don't think it's going to. Not worried about it at all. I do know I'm going to be in an enclosed space with a shitload of other people, and I have never been okay with that. It's gotten better, but... Yours it, is like all the different ways of Claustrophobic. Person. Oh, okay. And um, so my best solutions for that are just throwing as much money as I can. Yes, to the Delta Lounge. Yes, to Clear. the extra leg room, the Comfort Plus or the yeah. whatever. Yeah. Whatever the extra like four inches of leg room is. Um, yes, to Clear. Yes, to PreCheck. Just yes to anything that keeps me out of small spaces as much as possible and just that makes it a more comfortable experience. Now, if I did not have to travel at all for work, I would probably travel a little bit for work. Um, But traveling all the time really affects your quality of life if you don't like it. Like I max out at about two weekends a month. Yeah, And I don't want them to be consecutive because, I mean, a comedy weekend is long. That can be like a Wednesday to Monday. I agree. And we're in the minority there. Yeah. Most people, their train comes in, they're like, send me out, baby. Right. I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> Please leave me alone. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't done it, you yeah. don't know, you yeah. know, because it, when, when I was opening for you, I looked forward to it every time. I was so excited. And now that I'm doing it by myself, like it takes a toll. Physically, something happens when you put your body that high up in the air and then bring it back down. You know, it's, it's exhausting. I mean, I know this is a stereotype, but they used to say there's a reason why pilots drink is because there's just dealing with a lot of stress. I don't know if that's still a thing, but in the eighties, nineties, being a pilot. Yeah. Or, or, um, flight attendant attendant. had to look for it. I was going to say stewardess flight attendant. Yeah. It's interesting you're, you might be afraid of uh, the dangers of travel, but it would be a more realistic fear to be like, oh, I'm going to be away. <laughs> I'm going to be in different time zones. And you need to like this. Let's say your, your fear of flying is mild. My advice to people who have to travel for their work, me being one of them, is you need to learn how to romanticize it and like make it um, fun. You have to tell a different story about it. So when I'm flying, when I'm traveling, there's like certain movies I watch. They're all about people, not just up in the air, up in the air is an okay one, but I like movies that romanticize the solo person going around Blade Runner 2049 or whatever it is. That's actually one of them. Cedar Rapids, these movies that are about hotels and the fun. So this is this is going to sound silly, but like when I started really touring, and this is when I was doing colleges when I was just divorced that time, I hated it. I really didn't like it. I was like, well, this sucks. And then I started telling myself these little different stories, and you really see how your life is a story, and you have a little bit of agency over how you frame it, and it turns out it's true. How you frame it is kind of all of it. So instead of thinking, and this is when I was staying in shitty hotels, I would go, it's not a shitty hotel. It's free towels. It's unlimited clean towels. And that was the first little shift I made. And, and you start getting good at like, you know, I'd fill the sink with ice and I'd put little drinks in it, little comforts. Every place has a shower. It doesn't matter if it's like a, a Super 8. It's got a hot shower. It's got a bed you don't have to make. You know what I mean? It's got a TV. You find ways, like you can look up something that you can walk to. It's all about like, 
And even as I say this, I can tell that what I'm saying would have made 28-year-old Pete sad. I'd be like, listen to this loser has figured out like how to make the loneliest, saddest thing palatable. But now when I do it, I like it. I, I like the solo time. I like the simplicity of like, I just have to get to this one place, a travel day, like where all you have to do is get home or all you have to do is get to the hotel. It's one of my favorite things in the world. It's a great anxiety reducer. It's all I have to do is make sure I'm at the gate at this time, get in my seat, travel light, get there, get in the car, go to the hotel. That's it. Shower to like kind of recalibrate your body. It's It became like a... Instead of this sad Willie Loman kind of existence, it became more of like a no. I'm Jason Bourne. I go around and assassinate people. <laughs> like it's fun. Yeah, you reminded me of something else that I do, and that's I remember my last day job, which was a real struggle for me. Yeah, and I think to myself, at least I didn't have to wake up and go that's do right. that. Like that's this right. is my job is to sit. And watch a movie right. in this seat. If you go from I have to be alone to I get to be alone, that's a big shift. Yeah. I get to be alone. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, Pete. Oh, uh, yeah. You can see Pete on his Where Were We tour for Cities and Dates. Go to PeteHolmes.com. And if you'd like some unsound advice, send an email or a voice memo to Lara at UnsoundAdvicePod.com. And we might feature you in an upcoming episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being here, Pete. My pleasure. So to see you. It's great to see you always. Before we go, I want to plug another podcast that I've been listening to and really enjoying. Whitney Cummings podcast, Good For You. She has a lot of questions, opinions, and a robot. She interviews friends, comics, celebrities, experts, weirdos, and you can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. Something that always makes me feel better is going out and seeing live comedy. And a couple of my favorites right now are the Sklar Brothers and Tom Papa. You can get dates for the Sklar Brothers through November at supersklars.com and Tom Papa's dates at tompapa.com. We appreciate you joining us so early in this journey. If you liked today's episode, please like and subscribe, follow us on social media, and tell your friends. Special thanks to Will Beckton at Jet Road Studios for masterminding the production of this podcast and providing us with the engineering expertise. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>